Today is Thursday, November the 16th, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. Well, the San Francisco streets hardly looked like they belonged in the U.S., not because they were all cleaned up and the tent cities full of homeless people, trash and human feces had been removed, but the fact that the streets were lined with communist Chinese flags for the visit of Chinese communist dictator Xi Jinping. California Governor Gavin Newsom, along with his wife, were all smiles in greeting Xi Jinping. So was Joe Biden. Media camera coverage did not show any signs of an American flag being flown during the time that he was greeted or traveled along the San Francisco roads. Meanwhile, pro-Palestinian protesters took to the streets in San Francisco to protest the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit that Xi Jinping and Joe Biden are attending. Regarding Palestinians and Hamas, Fox News Digital was reporting on a secret Facebook account that was held by U.S. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. The group was unsearchable to the public on Facebook and consisted of members who were highly supportive of Hamas terrorists. Tlaib apparently joined that group six years ago. Following the October 7th attacks in Israel that killed over a thousand citizens, the group posted support for the Hamas terrorists and also posted pictures of an elderly Israeli woman being taken hostage. Canary Mission is a watchdog organization that is also reporting on Tlaib in particular, and they say that she has had three people with links to Hamas actively fundraise for her 2018 congressional campaign. One of those individuals was in prison for eight months for ties to Hamas terrorists. Over in Las Vegas, police have arrested eight of the 10 teenagers who beat a fellow student to death on November 1st. This all happened within steps of the high school that they all attended together. Lieutenant Jason Johansson heads up the homicide division at the LVPD. He spoke at a press conference following those arrests. Through our PIO office, we will be pushing out additional pictures of two individuals that we have yet to identify that participated in the incident and uh, with the uh, requesting assistance from the community with identifying them. Uh, Additional in closing, I just want to uh, second the uh, undersheriff's uh, remarks. If you're if you're a mentor uh, with youth, if you're a parent, you, you can't you have to assume that your kids have seen this video has been shared widely on social media. Don't put your head in the sand. Please uh, talk to your kids about it and explain people need to know right from wrong and that this was uh, that this act was heinous. An English hockey player is being questioned by police over a gameplay that slashed open the neck of former Pittsburgh Penguin player Adam Johnson and killed him. Matthew Petgrave is seen on camera jumping in the air while extending the skates on one leg towards Johnson, which cut his throat. Many professional hockey players say the move from Petgrave was not anything that's ever been done or seen on ice before. Petgrave has been released on bail after the manslaughter inquiry. He plays for the Nottingham Panthers. Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins had a very interesting discussion with the FBI Director Christopher Wray at a House hearing on Wednesday. Higgins claims that whistleblowers have been coming to him with information about ghost buses that brought in FBI agents to the January 6th event in Washington, D.C. in 2021. Higgins also alluded to more evidence yet to become public about confidential human sources and FBI agents deployed to that event. Earlier this year, an FBI informant who is reported to have, quote, his quote, under oath, marched to the U.S. Capitol with fellow Proud Boys members on January 6th, close quote. He said he was communicating with his FBI handler while people were entering the U.S. Capitol. Can you confirm that the FBI had that sort of engagement with your own agents embedded within the crowd on January 6th? 
If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying not. no? No. You're saying no? Not okay. violence orchestrated Let's by FBI on. sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. Well, it's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a, it's a vehicle that's that's used for secret purposes, painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. And while we're talking about law enforcement over in the U.S. Secret Service, we're now finding out that the baggie of cocaine that was found in the White House this past July did in fact have DNA evidence on it. That information was revealed by Jesse Waters of Fox News after he filed a Freedom of Information request with the Secret Service and got back hundreds of pages of documents. Here's what Waters had to say with James Fitzgerald, who's a retired FBI forensic profiler, as they discussed the many discrepancies that were found within that report. James, so they have DNA and they've had it the whole time and they're preserving it. What's going on here? I think you'd almost have to do a few lines of cocaine, Jesse, to understand all that you went through and all this investigation has been happening, happening with this investigation over the last few months. It seems like obfuscation is the is the prime operating word here. Confuse everyone as much as possible. I'll leave out the clue game references with library to uh, to Cubby and who knows where Colonel Mustard may be or someone like that. But th- this is just this should be a very simple investigation. A bag is found somewhere. Police, uh, uh, Secret Service are called. Here's the evidence. Send it to the lab. But there's just so much going on here. You can't help but ask yourself and any you don't even be an experienced profiler. Just ask yourself, there's just too much gone wrong here. No investigator is that bad. Even a crack investigator, no pun yeah. intended, would somehow get the basic information right here, get it off to the right lab, and get the primary uh, uh, DNA from the baggie, if, it, if the baggie still exists, and that could still be very valuable. All you need is one to ten nanograms of, uh, of DNA material for touch DNA, and you have your suspect. You have the suspect, people give the uh, swabs, and you should narrow this down within days. And Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey offered an amendment that passed within the U.S. House. That amendment prohibits any taxpayer money funding gain-of-function research, whether here in the U.S. or abroad in other countries. Madam Chair, I rise in support of my amendment, which essentially prohibits funds from being used or being made available to conduct or support gain-of-function research. Section 533 of the underlying bill says that none of the funds in the bill can be used for gain-of-function research in China or Cuba, or North Korea, or Russia. The problem is that it doesn't prohibit this dangerous type of research anywhere else in the world. Why should we be funding it in France or Great Britain? In fact, why should we be funding it here? I will argue later that we shouldn't, that the risks far outweigh the benefits, and that we should have learned our lesson. These national story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website.
Georgia recently held elections just this past Tuesday, and already there are challenges coming from several counties about the Dominion's voting system and the discrepancies within that process. Here is Marcy McCarthy from within the Cobb County Republicans explaining it all to Emerald Robinson on The Absolute Truth. What we have discovered on a statewide basis, as you indicated in the intro, is that there's some serious discrepancies uh, with the numbers across the board, largely in part to the new poll pad technology, creating duplicate, triplicate, and even quadruplicate uh, variations of the uh, voter check-in. So in some instances, we have seen that it's a unique ballot assigned to the one person, but multiple instances of them. And then there's a few instances uh, in Fulton County that we have discovered that there's multiple ballots that are in the system, uh, presumably for the same person. So this is really a people process and technology problem, once again, uh, in Georgia. The Dominion voting system is used in all of Georgia's counties. And by the way, there is a lawsuit that has been tied up in the court system for years now in that state that challenges the Dominion electronic voting system. That lawsuit was filed three years before all of the election problems really became undeniable from the 2020 presidential election. The lawsuit's main contention is in regards to the cybersecurity threats that have been recorded with the various parts of that voting process on the machines. Following the elections this past Tuesday, the problems have just become more pronounced as they were when the lawsuit against Dominion was first launched in 2017. Here is Sally Grubbs, the Cobb County Republican Party chairwoman, explaining to Emerald Robinson on the absolute truth how complicated the Dominion voting system is. You know, they say that there are things that are corrected, but we don't have evidence of that until we do an actual recount and until we actually see the ballots. And the bottom line is that it's not just the ballot marking devices that are an issue. It's not just one component. It's everything from voter registration to the voter um, history files to the actual cast ballot. Um, and the number of different softwares that are used for this. Um, and it, you start to erode away at the confidence in elections. Meanwhile, federal judge Amy Totenberg wrote a lengthy opinion about her decision to move the 2017 lawsuit against Dominion forward rather than dismiss it as requested by the defendants who filed for a summary judgment and suggested that the challenges are based purely on conspiracy theories. The plaintiffs in this lawsuit have expertise in cybersecurity and contend that the systems are open to cyber attacks within multiple avenues and that there's no way for voters to double check the accuracy of the electronic system or, for that matter, even conduct a proper hand count of ballots and compare the results between the two. The lead plaintiff in this case, Dr. Alex Halderman, wrote a comprehensive report in 2021 that identified further vulnerabilities within the Dominion system in addition to what he already testified about years prior in that lawsuit. Halderman detailed seven opportunities for hacking the system that he found after testing election equipment in Fulton County. That county comes up quite a bit in these election cases. Halderman named specific areas such as the QR code on printed ballots, malware on the BMD machines, forged smart cards that are used to validate the technicians, poll workers, and voters, malware spread through gained access to supervisory privileges within the system, and altered audit logs, just to name a few. The judge has set a bench trial date for this case for January of 2024. So, as you can see, a lot is happening and has been happening in Georgia when it comes to elections. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update.
Thank you.